Well, today this is part four of what <laughs> last week was a five-part series on our church vision. I'm expecting none of you will be surprised that it is no longer a five-part vision. It is now six parts. <laughs> I, I, honestly, it's not going to get past six. Six is the top limit. I, I was going to say I promise, but I don't. And I didn't promise last week. Um, <laughs> I made a call this week. It was one of those, either you're sitting here for a very long time and I'm overloading you, or I split it in two. So I split it in two. <laughs> so um, it is now six parts. Um, and which means this week, which was meant to be all hands on deck, is now no longer all hands on deck. Um, we are using the phrase, the church is a battleship, not a cruise ship. And um, this week's message is called, I was born in Billingham, but I was made in the church. Which probably sounds a little familiar. I think I'm a little bit too loud on this, if that's okay. Um, incidentally, I wasn't born in Billingham, so I don't mean me. <laughs> It's, a, it's, it's just a title. Uh, although I think actually on hindsight, a better title is I was born in Teesside, but I was made at New Life. But I'd already done the graphic by the time that came. Um, I'm going to start this morning with something. So as we've been going through everything, we've been breaking down and using a very extended naval metaphor um, for the church. And this week we're going to be looking at something crucial to the ongoing survival of the Navy and of course of a church, and that is recruitment and training. Now I'm not going to talk about our specific plan for witnessing and evangelism. That's now two weeks away. That's what we're gonna end with. But I do wanna ask the question, how does the Navy recruit? Now once upon a time, you would take the king's shilling, and that's it, you were in. That's all it took, because you'd been paid. And the Navy used to have a variety of less than honest methods of making you take the king's shilling. For example, hiding it in your drink. Which is why, as you can see there, they started making tankards with glass bottoms so that you could see it. Because the second you'd swallowed it, guess what? You're in. It could also be press ganged, um, hit on the head with one of those things, a press gang tool. Um, I'm only mentioning this particular one because sometimes I feel we need to be careful our evangelism isn't that. We press gang people by hitting them on the head with the gospel and by the time they come to they're in the kingdom and they don't know what's happened. Or by hiding the sinner's prayer somewhere and getting people almost tricked into saying it because the second they've said it, well, they're in. It doesn't work like that. Uh, if someone doesn't know what they've responded to, or, how can I put this politely, are just trying to get rid of you because you've been a pest, or feel harassed into making a decision, it's not a real decision. We can't count that. No, there's reasons the Navy doesn't do this anymore. Because pressed men are not really on board. Pressed men will jump ship when things get hard. Or they'll turn to piracy. And the very thing they, they were enlisted to help, they become 
the enemy of. The church should have no pressed men. But neither does the Navy now wait for people just to join up. Just, well, someone's going to turn up eventually. And we can't do that as church either, can we? You know, we just keep on having meetings. Eventually, someone's going to turn up. I mean, it'd be nice. But it doesn't work like that, does it? No, what the, what the Navy does is they get active in the community. They reach people. They get involved. They, they tell people what an experience a life in the Navy is. That we have an opportunity to serve the King. Join the Navy. It will change your life. The adverts that often play, um, I think they're on TV. I, I, I only ever see adverts when I go to the cinema. Um, say, I was born in Teesside, but I was made in the Royal Navy. You know what that, you know what they're doing? It's a testimony. They're sharing a testimony of what life is like in the Royal Navy. Let me tell you, there's something powerful about our testimony. Something powerful about saying, I was once like this, but God has changed me. There's something powerful about saying, this is what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. This is what's been changed in my life. Let me tell you, your testimony, your story is not only your most powerful evangelistic tool, it's the one you will know best. There's power in your testimony. Sharing with people how God has saved us, how God has turned our lives around. But also we need to look for more avenues and ways into the community. One avenue that's been very important to us always as a church is children's work. Both with kids and with youth and with the family centre over the road. And of course Lisa shared her vision for the children's work recently. But you know there's a temptation with children's work. For the people who aren't involved in it. To go... Well, if we get a good youth group, if we get a good children's group, it's kind of job done, isn't it? Let them bring the families in. Let them bring people in. It becomes very easy to hope that's the only source of new people. That's not the way it should be. We can't rely on one method. We can't rely on reaching one demographic. You know, Paul said he was all things to all people. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 to 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, although not being myself under the law. You know, sometimes we can take our freedom in Christ to this limit where it actually damages our witness. Yes, we're free. But hey, are people being damaged by what we're doing? Paul knew that he wasn't under the law, but he kept the law so that those under the law might be reached. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak. 
I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them its blessings. Let me tell you, church, every single method we can come up with to get the message of the hope that is in Christ out there is needed. Every method, because what will reach some people won't reach others. Paul understood he needed to adapt so as to reach an audience for the gospel as widely as possible. So when we come to our witnessing strategy, which is going to be in two weeks' time, I promise, no, <laughs> I hope, we are looking out beyond just Billingham. But looking out beyond just Billingham should never be at the expense of Billingham and the work in this town. And to those of you who are in Hartlepool, it should never be at the expense of Hartlepool. For those in Stockton, it should never be at the expense of Stockton. These streets around where we meet are our harvest field. The people who live around here don't just need to know we exist. That's a good start. They need to know Jesus is here. So we must use every tool available to us. You know, Oasis, uh, which meets every Wednesday, no, they don't, every Tuesday, used to be Wednesday, <laughs> started with people who wanted to reach out to those who had spare time during the day. They have teaching. They have fellowship. They have a social time together. Many of the things we've covered over the past few weeks, but its main purpose right from the outset was to reach into the community. And they have a good few, don't they, of regular people who are not part of the church, but every week get to hear how Jesus changes lives. Daycare began because people wanted to reach local families to those who live in the houses around this place. You know, it started in the back rooms of this very place. Where were the back rooms? They were just there. I mean, just, just past it. Where was the door? The door used to be... It was about here, the door. No, about there. It used to be... And daycare started just through there. And grew and grew and grew right over the road. And grew. And is now Ofsted-rated outstanding childcare service. Now, I know I'm biased, but it's the best one in Billingham. <laughs> People who grew up there as part of, you know, going there are now bringing their children. And they know who we are. They know what we stand for. There's opportunity to be harvested over there. Recently, we started the New Life Hub coffee shop. That came from people within the church wanting to do something locally to reach out to people. Now, it's been a, a bumpy ride to start with, but we press on. In fact, we're going to plan to do, it's going to open again in a few weeks' time. On the 11th of February, 10 a.m., which is a Saturday, we're going to do a leaflet drop for anyone who is available to help with us around these streets and in that leaflet is the offer of a free coffee for anyone who comes in. You know, it doesn't take much prayer for the tide to turn and breakthrough to come. Pray for that hub. 
It's an opportunity to have a coffee with people, to forge connections, all with the purpose of being a witness. Chris and Paul are now looking at starting, still looking at the technicalities and the practicalities and possibilities <laughs> of starting a community garden in the family center. This will be a, a garden where they can grow food and local people can come and it can be yeah, an opportunity for us to... Uh, uh, anyone in here, here who's into gardening? Is it just me? Oh, there's a few of us. To, 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 to be over there with somebody and share with somebody local and maybe teach them how to garden if we're good at it or if you're a bit like me and you're better at killing things than, than keeping them alive, to learn from people. But to spend time with people and to reach out to people. So we're looking at the practicalities of that at the moment. Isn't, we need to look at more and more ways of getting connected locally with the people who live around here. And listen, the best ideas don't come from here. The best ideas come from here. I want ideas of ways we can do this from everybody. We won't be able to do all of them and don't be offended if we can't. But you know what? There'll be some of them that'll be, that's for now. That is a now thing. Let's do it. You know, both the, the New Life Hub and, um, and Oasis and the community garden all started without my involvement. Wonderful. Wonderful. In fact, the, the, the garden and the hub both really got formed while I was on my sabbatical. Now, I was aware what's going on, so things began with my approval, but not with my involvement. Listen, that's healthy. That's good. I want to see more of that kind of thing. If you have ideas, please share them. Now, you know we're not going to be able to do them all, but the spirit prompts, and we go for it. And we find another way of reaching out to people. All things to all people. Church, we need as many methods as there are different types of people who live around here. And you know what? When you really get down to it, there's a lot of different types of people who live around here. But of course, there's always a danger when we talk about this sort of thing. That it's the same people who's doing every single one of them. We also need laborers in the harvest field. Because as Jesus said in Matthew 9, 37 to 38, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Isn't an implication in what Jesus says here, by the way? First thing, I get implied here is when you find that there's not people out in the harvest field, when you find you're short on workers, don't get cross. Jesus said expect it. It's all very well to be exasperated by the lack of workers. Jesus didn't say get exasperated. Jesus said pray. Pray. Pray earnestly for workers. He gives the solution to the lack. Prayer. If we find that we don't have enough laborers in the harvest field, Jesus said, pray. Prayer. 
But I also think Jesus is implying something else here. Harvest's out there. It's ready. What happens when there's no laborers in the field? The harvest gets lost. The harvest gets lost. Church, if we don't step up, if we don't get involved, what's lost is devastating. We're not talking about wheat getting lost. We're talking about people, lives, eternity. Let me tell you, the lack of laborers in the harvest field of souls is so much more dangerous than a lack of harvesters in a field of wheat. It has much more far-reaching consequences. You know, we only get this one life. It's one chance. When the harvest is lost, it's lost forever. We don't get to do this again. We don't get a redo. You know, I enjoy on, um, as a way of relaxing, is playing uh, city simulation games on my computer. Love it. But it always goes wrong. And all I do is start again. You know what? In life, that doesn't happen. We don't get that. If everything's lost, everything's lost. We can't treat this like we're going to have another go. This is not a practice run. This is it. New Christians and new families are absolutely vital, not just for the life and the future of the church, but for the very purpose of the church. You know, the Navy has this full system going right from recruit, step by step by step to command. We need a system in place as a church from the moment somebody arrives through those doors to the moment that they're fully growing in God and thriving in the fruit of the Spirit. And we start, as we should, with the basics. 1 Peter 2, verses 2 and 3 says, Like newborn infants, long for spirit, pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. But as we grow, we must move on from that. Life should have staged progression. You know, we're all a work in progress, aren't we? But you know what it takes to be a work in progress? Progress. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not a work in progress. You're just a work. <laughs> Hebrews 5, verses 5 to 12. Uh, sorry, Hebrews 5, verses 12 to 14 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. See, Paul knew milk's okay to start with. But he's speaking to this church here and saying, I expected some progress. I expected more than this. 
There has to be this expectation of progress. Listen, we can't remain spiritual babies forever. It's fine to start out as one, but we've got to move forward. So we need an organized, easy to follow way of bringing people through this discipleship process. And I've been working closely with Jill Shields on putting something together. Although I'll be honest, Jill's done most of the work. <laughs> we need to make this worse, we, uh, work and we need people in place to help at all of the different points. When someone first comes in, we need to ensure our welcome is the very best it can be. Now, <laughs> no pressure. But we have two people in here for the first time, and I'm not going to you know, make you embarrassed or anything, but did you get welcomed? Yes, we yeah. had a lovely welcome. We were invited to come here and have a really lovely welcome. Excellent. See, that's exactly what should happen. Thank you. I hope it's true. <laughs> that should be the way it is. People should be made welcomed, have a drink, made to feel at home. They'll receive, or they should receive, a welcome pack. Excellent. <laughs> With information about the church. Can I say church, not just this morning, but feedback that I get is extremely encouraging. You are a welcoming bunch of people. That's encouraging to me. You're very friendly. When a decision is made by someone to follow Jesus, we are going to assign what we call a befriender to immediately be coming alongside that person. Now, for this to happen, we need a team of volunteers who will be trained as befrienders. We also need someone to organize the befriending system, a befriending coordinator. Now, this is going to work a little differently, but still similar if somebody makes a decision in a home group, but we'll get into that in a few weeks' time. The befriender will have the responsibility of calling that person within 24 hours and arrange to meet them that week. And then we will start the discipleship process. Because too often, people can be left isolated in these early stages. And let me tell you, when someone makes a decision to follow Jesus, they become newborn. And we don't leave babies out on the street hoping they'll do a good job. We've got to look after them. So they'll start the discipleship process um, for a course that we'll go through with them, uh, that you'll go through with them as the befriender on a one-to-one -one or as a group if there's a whole group at once. A course that we call a new life, new start. This course will introduce this person to, to the faith. It'll cover prayer. It'll cover reading the Bible. It will cover assurance. It will cover baptism and so on and so on. Let me tell you, the befriender role is critical in the life of a new disciple because you're going to help them through those early stages because I'll tell you what happens when somebody receives Jesus. When somebody's born again, there's somebody who doesn't like it and stuff kicks off. You need somebody alongside you when that happens. Let me tell you, the devil doesn't like it when the kingdom makes gains. I'm encouraged this week, you know. Do you know why I'm encouraged? I had a rotten day on Thursday. 
absolutely terrible day on Thursday. The enemy tried to do some nasty stuff in this place on Thursday. And you know what? That means he's annoyed. So I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. He doesn't like what we're doing. I'm expecting more this week. But uh, <laughs> I have completely lost where I am now. Yes, befriend a role is critical in the life of a new disciple because we help them with these early stages. So there's a challenge for us to be involved and take part in this role. Because we've seen too many people make decisions and then not go any further. Now I'm not gonna pretend that's never gonna happen. But I believe as well we could have done more. So we'll have some simple uh, training in place for people who are willing to take this role on. This role is going to be vital. Now, I wouldn't mind if everybody volunteered to do it. And we'll train everybody to do it. That would be great. After this, we'll hold what we're going to call Meet the Team Nights, where new people will get to know a little bit more about us as a church. Then we look for them to be baptised as soon as possible. And then we start another course for them called New Life, New Family, which will be our partnership course. Hang on. Did Luke just say partnership? I did, but we'll come back to that next week. Put a pin in that. <laughs> then we will look to another course. All of these, by the way, will happen with the befriender or in a group if a group saved at one time. Next course is called New Life, New Purpose. And this is about finding your ministry, finding your gifting, finding your place within the body, finding what God has called you to do. And then the last one will be new life, new adventure, where we focus on mission, we focus on witnessing, and the wonderful great road ahead for somebody. We can take somebody right from those early days all the way through to thriving and walking with God. I think it's important we get this structure right, and I am really pleased with what's been pulled together. But you know what? It's all very well having it in place, but we need to apply it. We need to make this part of our life as a church. We need to make this part of what we are and who we are and what we do. Because church, we can't let the back door be as big as the front door. Yeah? And for too long, sorry. We've been acting like this. Ooh. <laughs> we have. We've had, a, we've had our back door wide open. In fact, we've got two of them. We've had it wide open. We need to stop that. We need to make sure that's not the case. The back door needs to be shut. The back door needs to be locked. I know they're fire doors. I'm not talking in real life. <laughs> when someone is saved, 
they have been rescued from the clutches of the enemy. Listen, if you save someone in war on a battleship, if you, they become your responsibility. If you rescue somebody in war, they become somebody that you should be looking after. And we can't just hope that it works out. We need a plan in place. We need a way of ensuring those who are rescued don't get left and don't get recaptured by the enemy. So this needs to be put in place in the next few weeks. And church, it is up to all of us to make sure this is implemented, that this works and this is something we live by. This is not going to work unless we all get on board with it. Now, of course, training doesn't stop there. You know, the Navy never, ever stops training. They're always training, even when they're at war. And a disciple never stops learning. A disciple never stops growing. So we need to make sure that continually during our walk there is training. Of course, SSE nights are designed to be that. To continue to be there to push us further and further into our relationship with God. But you know what we also need to start doing is training people for command. We need a new generation church of leaders. People who can preach. People who can lead departments. People who can become part of the church leadership. Listen, we've got a great leadership team in our church. Love you guys. But I'm the youngest person on the team. And check out these grey hairs. <laughs> it's only sustainable for so long. And it's not just about ageing, but as we grow as a church, we need to grow a bigger team. So we need to start being more intentional about leadership. So all of the leadership team are now asked to identify people that we can look to develop. People who have servant hearts. People who see the need and get the job done. People who are honoured to serve, not people who do things reluctantly. People who are faithful in the least. People who would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. People with character and passion for God. And not people with selfish ambitions. Not people who just want to take over because they think they should be in charge. When we see people with potential, the first thing we're going to do is send them on something called the Emerging Leaders course. This is not run by us. This is run through Cramner Hall, isn't it? Is that right, Chris? Cramner Hall. Um, we have three people who are currently on it. Um, who joined it last year. Uh, it's a year-long course. That's Amelia, Greg, and Emma have been doing this. And I tell you, it's done in the world of good. It really has done in the world of good. And I've seen the progress in them. Now, the good thing about this course is it lasts a year. So it's a good way to find out if someone's really got some commitment to it. <laughs> because you don't do a year-long course without some level of commitment. It also, as part of the course, equips them with a mentor. Everybody on the course is assigned a mentor. And again, I can see the difference that's making. Then we're also going to run some preaching courses. 
Um, the people who are going through it first, which is Amelia, Emma and Greg, have come up with a wonderful name for it. I don't know if they've told you it, Chris. You may want to use it, you may not. It's called teaching preaching. <laughs> but this is to develop this in people that we see potential in. Now it won't be for everyone who goes on the Emerging Leaders course because there's many areas we need leadership in, not just preaching, but preaching's one of them. And we've got some great teachers in this church, haven't we? We've got a great breadth of people who can bring the word. But we need to start taking risks on people. We need to start having the younger generation starting to bring words here. So we'll have this preaching course, which is not named yet officially. And then the people who've taken part in it will step out of the boat, share some short messages at the prayer meetings. We have... Stockton on a Sunday night. We have Hartlepool on a Sunday night, which is a little bit less scary than being here. And develop that in people. I want to run some more Pew Talk nights, which we kind of got a bit off track with during lockdown, where it just became the same people sharing each time. But the whole intention behind the Pew Talk nights is for people to have a chance to share who don't normally share. So we can hear voices and find out, hey, this person's got something. So we're going to schedule some Pew Talk nights coming up. And the whole point is, is if you feel you've got something to share, if you want to step out the boat, you want to give it a try, and you've never done it before, this is the opportunity for you to do that. To see potential in people. We have a great and very experienced preaching team here. But very experienced can be called for something. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a slight but when we look to the future we really need to start making sure we have a bit more of an inexperienced preaching team coming along as well and to do that we are going to have to take some risks with people I'm here because Pastor Cliff took a risk and let me speak and believe me I was not good <laughs> But he continued to take those risks. So from walking through the front door all the way to ministry, this full journey needs to be understood by us all. I realize tonight this isn't like a, a fired up teaching the Bible word. But I think it's so important we get all of this stuff in place. Because this allows us to build. Now it's all very well to cast this as a vision but it's got to be implemented. It's got to be lived. It's got to be worked out by all of us. Listen, the back door needs locking, even if it is a fire hazard. <laughs> but also that front door needs to be wide open. So the challenge once again is, are you crew or are you passenger? I want to challenge you this morning. Listen. We are not seeing many saved. That's the reality. Now, I was speaking to Chris about this this week, and Chris, you know, is connected with a lot of people, and, and uh, he says, at the moment, not really many are. Is that fair? 
So take heart in that, but that doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't solve the problem. And that's the reality. We're just not seeing it enough. And God challenged me on that. Because at first I thought, well, that's all on me, isn't it? And God said, no, 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 no. That's on all of us. That's on all of us. Are we praying enough? Really? Are we praying enough? Are we witnessing enough? Are we? Are we using every method that we can use? But not only that, are we doing all we do can to ensure that when people come in the front door, they don't immediately go out the back door? I believe this structure will help with it, but I tell you, it's not going to solve the problem in itself. It needs prayer. It needs witnessing. Otherwise, we will not see fruit. We need to use every method we can. And we're going to talk about evangelism in two weeks' time. But this morning I'm asking the challenge to you, and I'm not going to ask you to respond to it this morning because I want you to pray about it. But we need people who are willing to be befrienders, who are ready to do this journey with people. Because without an army of befrienders, this doesn't work. It's a vital role for where we're heading as a church. It's my hope and prayer that people who come in here They'll hear the gospel. They'll hear Jesus Christ is Lord and there's no other way to God. They'll find Jesus in this place. But then they'll also find family in this place. They'll find purpose in this place. They'll find a new adventure in this place. That their testimony could echo that of Royal Navy adverts. I was born in Teesside, but I was made a new life. Let's pray, church. Father, I thank you for placing us in this town and for Stockton and for Hartlepool. Lord, you have surrounded us with opportunity. You have surrounded us with people who need you. And Lord, we realize our own lack. We realize we're not seeing the harvest come in. But Lord, I pray this morning for workers in the harvest field. Lord, I pray, Lord, for an army of people, Lord, to rise up and say, Here I am, Lord, send me to come alongside people. And Lord, I pray we see the harvest brought in. But Lord, people cared for people welcomed people loved and Lord I pray not to grow this church but to grow your kingdom and to use us Lord because here we are wholly available for you Lord and we just ask Lord that you use us Amen Amen Barbara, do you want to come? I'm not going to um, particularly have a time of ministry this morning because I don't feel particularly led that way. But I do think it will use this song just to prepare our hearts and we're going to take communion together. But let's use this time just to dwell
upon what's been spoken. Let's use this time to take the challenge on board. To everyone watching as well, those of you who belong to us and just haven't been able to make it this week, take a moment, examine yourself. Let's ask ourselves those questions. Are we doing enough? I know I'm not, so I can hold my hands up and say I need to do better. How can we further commit ourselves to be all things to all people that we might win some?